Hi, welcome to Shift. It's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. We are on the road. We are in Vancouver at PwC. We have an extra special guest today, one of our V2R winners, David Lloyd. Welcome. Thank you. Now, David is the CEO and co-founder of FredSense. Now, Fred is an acronym. Yes. Tell us what the acronym is so people don't think like Pink Floyd. There's somebody (laughs) named Fred. Yeah, so that's the big issue is that if we ever hire Fred into the organization, then they're going to assume that they are the owner. But Fred stands for the Field Ready Electrochemical Detector. It is an incredible product because it's groundbreaking, which is why you won a V2R award. And for those of you who aren't familiar with V2R, it's a PwC award show that we have that basically honors and awards some of the groundbreaking innovation happening in our country. V2R stands for Vision to Reality. So if you don't know it, check it out. Tell us a little bit about um, your invention and why it's so innovative and how it's changing the world, basically, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, at FredSense, we are really excited and get passionate about water quality. So we are all about trying to give people better information about what's in their water. When do you know your water is safe to drink? When is there something harmful in it? And the truth is we don't know a lot about what's in our water today. Um, Oftentimes, even in an industrial setting, you have to go to a site, take water samples, and ship them off to labs. And sometimes that takes three to five days to get your water quality information back. So you're sort of sitting in an unknown state where you don't really know if the water that you're consuming every day is something that's safe for you or not. So at FredSense, what we have been thinking about is trying to make simple to use technologies that allow you to understand what's in your water right away, but simply enough that anyone could do it. So we've designed this product where essentially what you do is you take a water sample and put it into a small cartridge. It holds a very small amount of water. And then you put it into a lunchbox size detector that within one hour gives you a reading. So you don't have to do anything complicated. You can just know right away, is there something harmful in my water that I have to worry about? But what's really interesting is this isn't really for consumers, is it? This is, there's a business application to this. This isn't like, hey, I want to test my tap water and see if it's safe to drink, is it? Yeah, exactly. So right now we're really focused on empowering water utilities, mines, and different environmental groups to be able to streamline their process. So they can go and get that information right away and affect whole cities or communities in terms of what's going on in their water infrastructure. They need better ways to be able to get that information right away so that their busy engineers can can make decisions right away. So can you give me an example of how a, a water utility might use it, like, like a scenario? Some communities use a lot of groundwater, so water that's found underground in order to service their communities. And one of the big problems there is that arsenic can be naturally found. So arsenic at very low levels can be a human health concern. So there's a lot of treatment technologies that have been made available to clean that up. So for many cities that have a whole bunch of groundwater wells throughout their infrastructure, you can imagine someone having to drive around, take a bunch of samples, wait a few weeks to get the data to see if that arsenic cleanup process is working well. Well, this gives them the ability now to understand what's going on right away. So that's a huge time saver for them and something that ultimately impacts all of their residents because they can give better accuracy and uh, give them better confidence that what they're drinking is good. Wow. That's like, it's blowing my mind actually. (laughs) So 
how, what was the driving force for you behind this? I mean, you're, you're the CEO and founder of Fried Sense. How did this all come to be? We have probably one of the weirdest startup stories, and I'm really proud of it. I think it's okay. been a ton of fun to see how it's been developed. But uh, FredSense started a few years ago, and myself and my other co-founders, we were undergraduates and graduate students at the University of Calgary. What we did was we got together on our spare time and wanted to enroll in this competition called iGEM. It's a big MIT-based genetic engineering competition. We had a team of about 20 to 30 people, and we had this idea that we could use bacteria to make an impact on the water space. So what if we genetically modified these bacteria to be able to sense different types of chemicals in our water so that they could tell when they were there? Bacteria have this natural ability to respond to different types of chemicals in their environment. And then what if we got them to produce an electrical signal if those compounds are there. So we put this technology together, ended up going to <laughs> MIT, and um, things went really well. We ended up winning a number of awards. How did you come to think that, what if we genetically modify bacteria? I mean, that just seems like, it sounds very science fiction, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. how, like, how, how did you think to do that? Yeah, so there's this new field of, that I am so passionate about called synthetic biology. And it's this idea of using biological systems and the components of biological systems to build living machines, essentially. And there's all sorts of amazing applications going on through the world right now where we can build these sorts of systems to generate new products that are really changing the world. I got my undergrad at the University of Alberta, and I remember in my third year, I was just in this class and we were talking about molecular biology. How, how does DNA and all these little parts inside of cells work? And someone had mentioned that we're at a place now um, in science where we can understand how these systems work to the point where we can take bits of them, put them together in new wonderful ways to be able to create these products that can do things. And at the time they were recruiting for this competition and I thought, wow, that is what I want to do. And I want to figure out how to be a part of that. So it's kind of started on my journey. It's an amazing story. I mean, tangentially for a second, I guess um, bacteria are not sentient. So you're not going to have like the people with pl people with placards going, you're genetically modifying bacteria against their will. <laughs> this is awful. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's so. a, a big part of what we do at FredSense and just more generally in synthetic biology is when you hear about genetic modification, you think zombies, so you think viruses, you think all of the things that we see in movies, but really this is an amazing technology that is allowing us to generate incredibly positive impact and do it in a safe and secure way. So what we think about a lot is how are the choices that we make as a company going to impact the water operators, going to pe uh, impact people in communities, uh, and that affects our design and how we think about doing this because there's no point in us creating a product if people are going to be fearful of what it is we're producing or how it's going to be implemented. How can we translate these systems into something that people will actually use? Which I think is the most important part of, of what we're doing on this development uh, cycle, that, that there's a lot of great ideas that don't make it out of the lab because we don't think about how this is ultimately going to affect people and how they're gonna use it. I love what you're saying there because while um, I don't really know much about science, I'm a creative guy, um, one of the things that we really focus on, at least in my career, and, and especially PwC, is we talk a lot about human-centered design. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and 
so this is kind of like a call out for listeners. It's like even when we're talking about science and something as incredible, I mean, it sounds like Star Trek to me, where, we're, where you're genetically modifying bacteria to send different electrical impulses to detect stuff. It's like mind-blowing. But even that level of science requires human-centered design and really making sure that you understand who you're designing for so that they ultimately use it. Because the best ideas in the world, if no one wants to use them, they're just an idea. How did you go about testing it with end users? Mm-hmm. So we've had a, a long journey in testing it with a bunch of people. And and you know to your point about human-centered design and creativity and that being at the center of, of what we do, we spend a lot of time just trying to understand what because we aren't engineers we're not operators that work in a water context what is it that they're really struggling with and and what are the challenges and what really differentiated i think this product from a lot of the others on the market and and what we were seeing with a lot of other field kits was that it wasn't necessarily the science that was holding people back but it was the usability and so when we were able to come in and say, hey, we have a new way of doing things that's relatively simple for you to be able to adopt. It's just a kit. You can take it out. You can try to test it. Uh, we found a lot of utilities um, that were very open to uh, taking it and trying to use it. Um, so that was how we were able to first get some adoption. We could build case studies off of that. Did you have to iterate the prototype a lot based on feedback? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think if you looked at some of our earlier prototypes, you wouldn't even recognize it. Um, there was so much iteration that happened. And um, we take something out and people would go, that is really difficult to use for X, Y, Z reason. We come back and say, okay, how are we going to change that part of the product up? Um, and, and it was funny how many things that we didn't even think about uh, came up. So uh, with any innovation, I'm sure there were some pretty dark moments, you know, <laughs> uh, through the process of, uh, of bringing this uh, to market. I've got to imagine there were times where you just thought, this isn't going to work. This is going to fail. Did that happen? And if so, how did you overcome it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, how much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think the funny thing with our story was we were six people that came out of this competition at the University of, of Calgary, this team, and decided, you know what? In the heart of this oil and gas city, we are going to build a biotech company that's going to use these bacteria to change the way we think about water. And... Um, you can imagine that there were probably some people, there were some people that thought we were a little crazy. There was this crazy idea that these six young people had to go and try to make a difference in the world this way. So we had a number of challenges at the beginning, everything from intellectual property to the team to getting financing to figuring out how we were gonna build the product. So yeah, absolutely, there were a lot of points where I think we had to, we sat down and kind of went, can we do this? Are we going to be able to make it happen? And I'm so thankful to have the co-founders that I do because we were able to come together and really say, you know what? When one of us were feeling down, we can do this. We can move this to the next step. We have, we believe in it. We know that this can happen. And that sort of belief, I think, is what kept us going. A great advisor of mine, uh, said that the only difference between the startup world and the real world is that the highs are higher and the lows are lower. Innovation isn't easy. Yeah. Okay? It's very hard to do. And I think a lot of organizations probably underestimate maybe the effort or the, the time it takes or really what's involved. 
you've been very successful. What advice would you give to organizations, large or small, who are looking to innovate? Innovation is uncomfortable. It's it's going to feel uh, different. It's got to bring around change in mindset and change in thought. And I know at FredSense, what is so important to us is hearing everyone's thoughts and perspectives and having people that are of a mindset that they want to innovate inside of the company and outside of it. So having the right people who can prescribe to that perspective of the importance of being able to bring up the things that aren't working and know that their voices are going to be heard. So I think that there's that uncomfortable nature, that's, there's that need for the organization to get on board completely with it, uh, which can be hard, and having the right people who are going to not only see how what innovation could look like, but how to follow through with it. Yeah, one of the themes that we've heard through um, you know, some of the episodes we've done is certainly you know, strong leadership, uh, shared vision. So tell me about where, where is this technology going to go? Our vision for the company is really to become a one-stop shop for your water quality needs. Um, and we think that this approach of using bacteria to solve these problems really allows us to build a platform out for all sorts of different issues when it comes to chemicals that are found in your water. So we're developing new products to target a variety of different types of chemicals right now. Things like iron and manganese. We're looking at things like chromium, lead, and all of these have different issues surrounding your your water chemistry. We're really excited about the possibilities of bringing new types of products that are going to solve complex issues for industry and also for consumers. We're constantly thinking about how can we disrupt an industry? How can we provide real value that's going to 10x the status quo? That, that's what we want to do. We, uh, you know, I really prescribe to that Silicon Valley ideology of the moonshot, right? You know, there, we are not looking for incremental improvement here. We are looking to really provide an extreme value into these industries and uh, do that with these sophisticated new technologies that are coming out. So you bring up a great point that to uh, be the disruptor, you need to understand what will disrupt you moving forward. And, and I think that's really important. So we're constantly looking at what new technologies are coming onto the market that um, could uh, be beneficial to what we're doing or could compete against what we're doing. And ultimately, the great thing about the segment that we're in is the more companies that adopt our type of technology platform or new technology platforms that are moving this industry forward, the more we all collectively win. And the we in this case is not just the companies, us, FredSense, but the consumers, the utilities. With any new technology, it's not only really hard to create it, but I'm assuming that it's also, and it doesn't matter what it is, it's hard to convince people that this is awesome. How do you overcome external doubters? How do you get people to go to see what you see? I think it's a complex question. And there's a bunch of different areas that that makes me think of. Um, the first one was the first experience we had very early on when this was just an idea. Was we were trying to apply for a grant to get some of our initial lab work done. Um, and we had put a proposal together, walked into a room with a bunch of very, uh, you know, suited people who are quite official um, that tore us apart. And I think that was really an important part and a theme throughout our development was when someone came up and said, we don't like what you're doing, we learned from them. We learned the things that they didn't like. 
um, and improved what we were doing. So what we think a lot about, and, and I put this back into the iterative design part of the product and also our approach to solving problems, is how do we lower the barriers and ensure that when we design a solution for a client, that it's actually going to be something that can be adopted for them. And that's so important in the utility and mining space to ensure that what we're, we're putting together is not just going to work from a solution perspective, but also from the procurement perspective, from the sales perspective, for their entire team. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about your mining industry pilot. Um, I understand you started working with the Canadian Mining Innovation Council. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that all about? Yeah, so it's been great to work with CMIC, Canada Mining Innovation Council. They are a fantastic group of people that are looking to uh, take innovations uh, and technologies across the board in the mining sector and help support them to be adopted across industry. So um, we've been working collaboratively with them to be able to pilot some of our arsenic testing technologies. And the mining industry is a really interesting one because uh, no two water samples are ever the same. So what you find in your drinking water, of course, is going to be drastically different than what you might find in the environment or in some of these industrial applications. And the big challenge for sensors is that sometimes this water gets a little complicated. So a lot of what we're working with them to do is to demonstrate and show that because bacteria are capable of sort of being used to responding to lots of complex things found in water, we can use this approach in some pretty pretty complex and dirty water. Um, and that's been going great. So we're gonna be finishing up a project with them later this year. And um, with that data, we're really hoping to see some of these systems get adopted across the industry. Did you find any specific barriers to working with the mining industry that you had to overcome that maybe were a little bit different than say with uh, water utilities? I think that mining companies are, are complex, They're, uh, they have a lot of operational sophistication, but they also have a lot of catch-up to do in terms of how other industries have adopted technologies. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's uh, so much complexity in putting together, uh, exploring a site, building an operation, and continuing to monitor over time. Uh, these are not small projects. And as a result of that, you know, the time horizons that you're looking at for these sorts of projects are not five years. They may not even be 10 years. They could be significantly longer. So that's difficult to be a new technology coming into the industry uh, to all of a sudden say, hey, now try this out, implement it into what you're doing, uh, particularly with that complexity there. But there's amazing pockets of innovation going on. So groups like CMIC, there's other groups internally that are recognizing that innovation is going to be the thing that disrupts their industry and that they need to be part of that change. So there's definitely some specific challenges to adopting in new innovations within the industry. But again, it goes back to how, how can you design around that and how can you make it easier uh, than ever to see your technology end up in their hands. As a V2R entrant and now as a winner, what advice do you have for anyone who's thinking about entering V2R for next year? Apply. Do it. Go, go into the competition, particularly if you think that what you're doing is, uh, is innovative. I, I think there are far too many fantastic companies that just don't apply to a lot of these things. So that would be my, my biggest recommendation is just go in, do it, tell your story, be passionate. Um, uh, because you never know. All right. Well, that wraps up another incredible edition 
of shift. You know what, David? I'm never going to think of bacteria in the same way. You've done something that I think is going to change the world. So congratulations, not only on a really powerful innovation, but um, for winning V2R. Thank you. And thank you so much for telling us all about it and spending your time uh, with us. I think people are going to get a lot out of it. I know I certainly did. So good luck in what happens in the future. I can't wait to to hear more and to read more and, and to follow up on your success. Thanks. It was really a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash ca slash shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.